What is up, guys? Welcome back to the most bizarre show on the internet. I am the one that they call Shane Squatch. And I'm Oren. And uh, today, guys, we actually have a very fascinating listener encounter that was actually reshared with me over uh, TikTok because I had posted something about, uh, like, I think it was some random cryptid video. I don't remember exactly what it was because I'm always posting snippets of the show and everything over there. But I had somebody that reposted like a reply back trying to share an encounter with me. And I found it absolutely fascinating. So I figured, you know, beginning of the show, we can share it. It's an audio recording. Uh, and let's see, I have to give her a shout out to make sure that I actually have her name. And it's uh, Maya Miracle. That's her name on TikTok. If anybody wants to... I guess, hit her up, check out her page, any of that kind of stuff. Of course, I had to give her a shout out because she's uh, submitted us a listener encounter. But are you uh, ready for this one, sir? Yeah, man. Let's do it. Perfect. Just so he can hear it. Basically, in like 2018, my friend and I were driving in the back roads of Indiana. Indiana is a very flat land. The corn is dead. There's nothing. I can see out for miles. It is literally three in the morning and we are the only car on the road. In the near distance, near distance, I see a six foot tall monkey. Yes, monkey. Land from the sky. It had big wings and a tail. And then it took off flying again. Now my cousin and I start freaking out. We were screaming like Benji. Like, oh my God, it was a monkey. What was that? But I'm so for real. We tell everyone this story. Some people believe us. Some people in Indiana have seen it. There was actually like a whole community who has seen this monkey and is able to track it. And the last place it had been seen was Chicago around that time. So... <laughs> so what do you think man well i was uh, just jotting down some notes while uh, we were listening to that encounter uh the first thing of course that uh struck me was 3 a.m the witching hour you know mm -hmm. all kinds of weird shit happens at 3 a.m um of course the monkey landing from the sky you know we hear about these encounters where people see bigfoots like coming out of ufos or being beamed down out of ufos so i thought that was interesting but the big one and i'm sure you went in the same place with this uh when she mentioned chicago the whole recent chicago mothman sightings maybe they're seeing whatever this thing is and maybe they're one and the same so that's a uh, just kind of kind of a few things that struck me about that 
See, for me, I definitely brought in the whole Chicago Mothman one, and I ended up sharing this with uh, Lon Strickler because his whole thing that he's been researching for a while is the flying humanoids around Chicago, and it expands past, like, the Mothman thing. There's, like, other descriptions of, like, winged humanoids that are seen around the Chicago area, but at least for me, my, my mind first went to this one. The first thing I came to was Bat Squatch, but usually that's not mm -hmm. talked about besides over on the West Coast, you know? But another kind of weird one that fits the stereotype of exactly what she described, but it's not necessarily something from here, but there's also reports of things similar to it, is uh, the Yadhul, which I'm sure that you've probably heard of it or are familiar with it, but for anybody that's not, I'll read a quick description of it. Uh, the Yadhul is a winged cryptid. Some portray the creature as a giant bat, while others claim it is a flying primate. The name Yadhul comes from its loud, distinct cry, and uh, it is said to live in the deepest parts of the jungle of Java, which can be which can be found across most of Indonesia. Uh, subspecies can be found on the nearby island of New Guinea in the form of Rompin, a presumed cousin to the Ahul. So I know it's normally an Indonesian thing, but even with like some of the pictures and descriptions coming from this, and this is from a uh, cryptid wiki, uh, you know, they, they describe them for being around like six to 10 feet tall. So it like completely fits the description. It's just that the region isn't necessarily the same, but at the same time though, I've heard of multiple Ahul sightings in america and i know it's on the other side of the world but there's always like the possibility of there being different subspecies of these types of things or on the other side of it there's always the possibility of these things coming over on like shipping vessels like anything else like that anything that comes across the water these things could easily accidentally stow themselves away or purposely stow themselves away and end up over here too and then start a whole new breeding population of these things but that's at least where i went was a hool and that's kind of kind of where i'm sitting at as far as that encounter goes or portals portals yes that is also definitely an option those microscopic wormholes bro they went into one but, in the jungle and came out into the middle of uh indiana in the united states <laughs> but no i i think that's spot on i mean um the whole thing i didn't you know put it together when we were listening to the encounter but um uh, you know i have noticed the similarities between that and uh bat squatch and mothman so it could be another one of those situations we talk about all the time where you know, everybody's talking about the same thing. They're just calling it something slightly different. But no, that's a really cool story. And a big thanks to uh, the listener for submitting it to us. The only thing with the bat squatch, that the only reason I didn't gravitate towards that, and I think that there might be a slight variation or difference. I mean, they could be basically the same creature, but maybe they develop differently in different areas. But usually with the bat squatch encounters, you hear about the like power drain thing where people's cars will just shut off completely. Like electronics won't work around bat squatch, where I haven't heard that with the Ahul, but they're described very similar. So, I mean, that's the only thing is yeah. that she was driving in a car and didn't experience any issues with like the car stop functioning, power going out. So that's kind of why I geared a little bit more towards the Ahul on that one. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so kind of moving on, we're going to run through the front of the house stuff pretty quickly since we shared that encounter with you guys. But uh, you guys know the social media stuff. Hit us up uh, through the email address, bizarreencounters at outlook.com. All the social medias, the Instagrams, the TikToks, the YouTubes, all that good stuff. And also remember to submit your questions to us for Bizarre Inquiries. It can be serious questions. It can be jokey questions. It doesn't even have to be cryptid, paranormal stuff. Whatever you guys want us to talk about, just submit a question and we will talk about it. 
and whether or not the episode goes onto the main feed or it just goes on Patreon, uh, I usually drop the cover art for that over on the discords with the question involved in it. So if anybody wants to give their opinion on the questions, just drop in and have like a weekly conversation on some of the stuff that we cover on Bizarre Inquiries. Um, you guys are more than welcome to join the discord and pop onto that channel and give your feedback and opinions on it. Or if you watch the show on Patreon or you watch one of the episodes we post, hop in, give us your opinion because we definitely want to hear about it. And uh, if anybody has any encounters to report, such as the one that we had earlier, I mean, that's always an option. You guys can always repost them to me on TikTok, whatever. But I have a specific email for that. It's OMMEncounterReports at Outlook.com. Or you guys can go to the link tree, and there's a specific submission form for that. And uh, I don't care how big it is, how small it is, uh, whether it's extraterrestrials, uh, paranormal, cryptids, weird anomalous events, any of that. I want to hear about your guys' stories, and uh, I could possibly come out and investigate them, or we can reshare them on the show like we did a little bit earlier in the show. Or, um, yeah, they might even be included in some books, some future episodes. And uh, it would be cool, even if they're small stuff, it would be really awesome at some point to be able to put like a listener encounter episode together, where if we collect enough of the like vocal ones that we should, we could be able to play them through and kind of give our opinions on it and maybe do like a special here and there where we do that. But the only way we'll be able to make that happen is with your guys' help. And uh, talking about your guys' help, if anybody wants to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. Number one would be to join the Patreon, trying to blow that up as much as I possibly can for 2024. Over there, you'll get things such as ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, lives of episodes, live replays of episodes, uh, exclusive giveaways, exclusive merch store discounts, uh, hangout slash movie nights. Um, and then there's a bunch of other draw tangible product uh, benefits that I added recently to there, uh, on top of having, of course, the exclusive shows that are exclusive to Patreon. And I am working on another one that's going to be an exclusive show for Patreon. Uh, but there's a lot of cool stuff going on. There's four tiers over there you guys can check out. Uh, I know for the $3 and the $5 tier, we offer a seven-day free trial. So if anybody wants to check it out, see what it's all about, it's always an option. But yeah, definitely go check those out. Those things are always updating. And if anybody has any uh, ideas that they want to make the Patreon better, let me know because I am more than happy to start trying to work it a little bit more so you guys get a little bit more of what you want. And at least over there too, you don't just get bizarre encounters. You also get inquiries of all reality. So a little bit more bang for your buck. You get multiple shows all on the same Patreon. And uh, that's the Open Minds Media Patreon. And past that, if you guys want to support the show, you guys can donate through Red Circle, which is our RSS host for the show. And if you guys donate, let us know that you did. And then we can give you guys a big shout out on the show and give appreciation where appreciations do. And number three would be that you guys can go and check out the Open Minds Media merch store to pick up some awesome Bizarre Encounters gear. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff. I got a couple new designs that I'm working on that should be uploaded up on the store soon. But uh, I do drop random promo codes here and there on the Instagram. So if you guys want to keep tabs over there, see if you guys can get a special promo code. Or you guys can go and join the uh, Open Minds Media Patreon, like I mentioned, and get exclusive merch store discounts depending on which tier you guys select. And uh, number four, you guys can uh, leave reviews or ratings for the show on iTunes or Spotify. And if you guys leave a five star, of course, I will read on the show, give you guys a huge shout out. And uh, past that, you guys can always share the show if you think anybody would really enjoy it, uh, really enjoy a particular episode. All of that stuff greatly helps to make it so that the show gets boosted up in the algorithms. More people are able to see the show and the show can continue to keep growing because I know you guys want to make it so that we can just drop endless content for you guys. But the only way we'll be able to get there is with your guys' help. Keep pushing the show. We love you guys for everything that you guys do. And uh, if you guys want to, too, you guys could always leave the show an auto-download. And if you don't listen to every single episode, at least it'll count as a listen. And again, it'll help out the algorithm and make it so that more people are able to see the show. And we uh, need to give some shout-outs, as always, to our wonderful sponsors, uh, Rick and Hans, our buddies at I Know Squatch. You know, they're always killing it with their Sasquatch 
you know, shirts, hats, stickers, all that kind of good stuff. You know, we love those guys. I actually, uh, me and Jenny just ordered a couple new shirts this week for a uh, festival and convention season. So uh, I got a new hat or not a new hat, but a hat I forgot was in the back of my drawer. So I'm wearing a different, I know squash hat than the usual whoop one. So, you know, beyond that design, yeah. they do have some more awesome hats too. And I've got a, uh, a green, I know squash shirt on tonight. So, you know, definitely check, uh, check out Rick and Hans. They're our buddies and they're always killing it. Give them some love. And also uh, Joe at Crypto Theology. He's always killing it with his alien and high strangeness encrypted designs. So definitely check him out too. And to all of my friends out there with beards, don't forget, don't forget to go and check out our newest sponsor, uh, Snarly Yao, for all of your beard and or body products. Uh, he has a beard balm that I've been using. He has a beard oil that I've been using, a uh, body wash that smells absolutely fantastic. And he has a bar soap that you can use for your beard and for your body. And it has the smell of, it's a smoky cedar smell. That's how it's described with like a hint of peppermint. Absolutely fantastic. I love it. I think you guys will really enjoy it. So don't forget to go and give Dave some love. And on top of that, you guys can follow his pages. Uh, he's always putting on some awesome events, such as the Cryptid Halloween that we both spoke at last year, which we'll be at again this year, also presenting and also emceeing the stage. So we got a lot going on as far as working with him for those events. So go and check it out. You never know what, what might be in the area. He always puts an awesome group of people together. So beyond the body products, if you want some events, just all around follow Snarly Yao because Dave is an all around great dude. And beyond that, to all my paranormal investigators out there, don't forget to go and check out the Chattergeist. It is the all-in-one paranormal investigating device. I use it every single time I go out. Soon enough, hopefully, Orn will have one also, and he'll be able to test this thing out and be able to give his thoughts and opinions on this thing. But uh, if anybody has any questions on it whatsoever, Barry over there on Dimension Devices, he's the one who programmed and developed it so he can answer any of your guys' technical questions. And he's always continuously updating the software. I know he just recently dropped another update for it, so he's always trying to improve. So it's more than worth it to go and check it out. And uh, if you guys decide you guys want to pick one up, don't forget to use our affiliate link. greatly helps out the show, and we would greatly appreciate it. And as always, all of this shit is in the link tree in the show description. And for tonight's episode, this is a topic that Shane researched and uh, kind of wrote the outline and the notes for. So uh, I think this is going to be a good one. I'm stoked to dig into it. So, Mr. Jones, take it away. So for this one, I was trying to do something a little bit different. I know a lot of cryptid-type shows have not covered this, which is exactly why I wanted to uh, cover it before somebody else had the idea run across their mind. And typically when this thing is covered on podcasts, usually they look at it from the perspective of like, oh, this one time I was on it and I saw these things. We're not covering it that way. We're going to be covering it strictly from the researcher slash investigator standpoint. So it's going to be done a little bit differently than most people have talked about these entities, but I guess I'm, I'm kind of dancing around it. Tonight... Guys, we are going to be talking about the one, the only, DMT entities. And uh, for anybody that is not familiar with DMT, I guess, actually, I'll get into it. In the first line, it jumps right into it and it starts explaining it. So without further ado, let's hop into this uh, awesome episode that I've been very, very excited to put together and talk about with you guys. Let's do it. So DMT, or dihydrotryptamine, often referred to as the spirit molecule, is a powerful psychedelic compound found in various plants and animals, as well as being produced naturally in our own bodies. It is best known for its extraordinary ability to induce intense, short-lived psychedelic experiences, often described as encounters with otherworldly entities and hyperspatial dimensions. Throughout history, people have reported experiences of communicating with intelligent beings during deep states of altered consciousness. 
Such experiences can occur spontaneously through meditation or in the midst of a near-death experience. However, it is the DMT experience that has consistently evoked encounters with seemingly autonomous entities, providing unique insights into the complex nature of our minds and reality. To understand the enigmatic world of DMT entities, we must first explore the connection between DMT and the pineal gland. The pineal gland, a small pinecone-shaped gland nestled deep within the brain, has long been associated with mystical and spiritual experiences. Research indicates that the pineal gland plays a crucial role in regulating our sleep-wake cycle through the secretion of melatonin. Furthermore, the pineal gland is believed to produce and release DMT during certain altered states of consciousness, suggesting a potential link to the DMT experience and entity encounters. So before we keep going, I just want to make a little point to this. So there's a lot of people that believe that the brain produces DMT. It hasn't been fully scientifically proven yet, but within rats, they have proved that their brains do produce DMT. So it's they haven't gotten to the point where they've fully proved that the human brain does it, but it is seen in other beings. So, I mean, okay. there's, there's definitely a good possibility that our brain produces it, and that could be exactly how sleep is produced because... Sleep is all about theories, man. Like, nobody knows why we dream. Nobody understands how that stuff functions. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. Like, this could have a whole lot to do with dreams. And like you said, nobody knows what the fuck dreams really are, you know? So, I, I think, uh, yeah, that popped into my head as you were talking, too. So, I'm glad you mentioned that. See, a lot of theories, a lot of issues with mainstream science is the fact that a lot of shit is theories, but when people are reporting or talking about stuff, they drop the word theory out of it and make it sound like it's scientific fact when it's at its root, just a theory, such as like the Big Bang Theory. You hear about the Big Bang, everybody believes that that's like a proven thing about how the universe started, but it's the Big Bang Theory. Same with the evolutionary theory. But a lot of that gets dropped out. Like it hasn't been fully scientifically proven. Like there's no way to go back to the beginning of the galaxy and prove this type of stuff. Like just, I don't know why, just in mainstream science, Maybe it's just because people read stuff and they want to believe that it's true, but it kind of drives me crazy how much they leave out the word theory when they're talking about concepts. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and like you said, these theories just kind of get ingrained and then nobody bothers to question them. And then they just start becoming fact, even though they've never been proven. <laughs> yeah, and then you go exactly. back to, it was science that says it, but it's like science said that it's potentially could be the case, but it didn't say it's definitely the case. And, you know, we're one discovery away from all of that being null and void at some point. <laughs> yeah. so. I mean, shit, how, for how many years did people think that, I, I, I mean, there's a bunch of conspiracies around it, so I don't want to say anything for sure, but just with science in general, people went thousands of years believing one thing and all it took was one new advancement and then all of a sudden everything that everybody's believed for a hundred years is all thrown yeah. to the side. Like, And we're one discovery away from that happening again. So. Exactly. It's, you know, just because we're in the now, people want to believe that we have everything figured out. But I highly doubt that's the case. Because even back in the day, people thought that everything was figured out until the next advancement happened. <laughs> yep. But uh, hopping back into it, uh, scientists have discovered that DMT is present in a wide array of plants. Ayahuasca, a sacred brew used by indigenous cultures for centuries, uses ayahuasca vine or mimosa root and leaves from the... Chatruna, Chatruna shrub uh, to create an extended release version of DMT. Apart from its natural occurrence, DMT can be also synthesized and produced and vaporized for ins inhalation, resulting in rapid and intense psychedelic experiences. So I'm going to jump in real quick. 
Um, I know a lot of people that listen to our show probably listen to Joe Rogan and are at least familiar with. And he will be referenced in this episode very soon. (laughs) He will, but you know the whole ayahuasca thing. um, Yeah, I heard about it a few years ago on Rogan. uh, Ron White, the comedian, actually was talking about it. That's like where I learned about it. But anyway, I think that this has really kind of come into the public eye more because of Aaron Rodgers here in the past year or so. And, you know, it's become popular with a lot of celebrities. I feel like a lot, any like celebrity that's into like the anti Hollywood concept has, they're on some podcast talking about doing ayahuasca experiences. Yeah. And so me and Jenny, like I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. I I love the dude. I think he's so interesting. Uh, uh, so, I mean, just throwing that out there. But um, me and Jenny were watching Hard Knocks um, at the beginning of the football season, and they did the New York Jets this year. And so Rogers is telling the story about seeing a UFO like the day before he got drafted or whatever. And, you know, he's had these ayahuasca experiences where he claims to see shadow people, which I think is really interesting that, you know, he's had this series of encounters and events and this is this really prominent person that's you know really upfront and open about all this so um i don't really know where i was going with all that i just thought it was worth throwing that all out there well i mean that kind of leads into some of my theories on it i mean as far as psychedelics go i'm not saying like every single psychedelic but like you know like LSD possibly, uh, mushrooms for sure, ayahuasca, DMT i think all of it could potentially be like imagine it like a key to a doorway into somewhere else. And we'll get a little bit farther into this as far as talking about different realities and stuff. But I think that, you know, there's obviously the concept of like portals or stargates that you can potentially get into these other realities. But then there's the concept that we talk about all the time with this like layered reality concept. And I think that a lot of that is a matter of being able to change your perception in order to intake and actually view these other realities that are existing on top of our reality. And a lot of these psychedelic plants you know, if you use them properly, I'm not talking about going and out and being crazy with drugs, like whatever, but you actually use them as a spiritual tool. I think that there is a possibility of these things are doorways and other realities. And even going into like vibration and frequency, um, for anybody that's used psychedelics, when you start coming up on them, you start hearing this like vibration in your ear. And a lot of the time I'm kind of curious if it, you kind of access a different reality, depending on which vibration or frequency you might be on, what you might be resonating out. And a lot of these trips, it's not so much that you're just tripping and seeing stuff in your head, but rather that you're seeing somewhere else. Because at least with mushrooms, it's been proven that you actually have, you, you would assume you'd have more brand activity when you're on mushrooms because you're experiencing all these crazy colors, you're experiencing all these other things that shouldn't exist. Um, I've even had experiences when I used to do them where, you know, I would like, you cover up your eyes and you could fully see the room around you. And we do this test where like somebody would stand behind us and we put like however many fingers up and the person would guess with their eyes covered and it'd be behind them. So it just, it, it's weird. It brings you to this other sense of like awareness. So the fact that there's less brain activity while you're experiencing these, when it seems like there should be a lot more kind of leads credence to me to the fact that these things are actually a key and it's not stuff that your brain is creating, but rather that you now have access to be able to see and experience. Yeah. And I think the thing that's really interesting about this is we can take it a step further and we can even talk about like UFO abductions and sightings and like all the ce5 type stuff you know i think there is a flesh and blood nuts and bolts aspect to the whole ufo phenomenon but there seems to be some part 
of the phenomenon that is within our brains or, you know, we're accessing other places, other planes, whatever, somehow. And, you know, I've heard it said many times, I can't take credit for this, but, you know, you'd think the way to communicate with these, you know, uber intelligent, otherworldly entities would be through science or technology, but that's not how it works. You know, it works with Ouija boards and things like that. So there's some sort of, for lack of a better term, spiritual aspect to this. It would and make maybe, sense that there would be a natural key to access these things it, rather exactly, than a synthetically say, created maybe key. This is the key to that. But anyway, I guess jumping back in, uh, shamanic rituals involving DMT often follow a well-structured framework combining. That's what you did there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> combining chanting, drumming, and specific ceremony practices to induce altered states of consciousness which again, kind of elevating to a certain pitch or frequency, depending on which reality you're trying to unlock. Because a lot of people try to do ayahuasca by themselves without the shamans, and they'll have these awful experiences because they possibly aren't raising themselves to the proper vibration or frequency to actually experience the good side. And instead, they're in the negative vibrations or the low vibrations and experiencing the bad stuff. So I just wanted to throw that one in there. But uh, shamans believed that these practices create a sacred space where the veil between the physical and spiritual worlds become thinner allowing for deeper connections with the unseen realms. Many shamanic practitioners describe these experiences with DMT, DMT as journeys to different dimensions, encountering spirits, deities, and ancestral energies. These encounters may range from blissful transformative to challenging and overwhelming, with the shaman acting as a guide and mediator between the physical and spiritual realms. Throughout various shamanic cultures, common themes and beliefs emerge regarding the DMT experience. One belief is the idea of an interconnected web of life where everything, whether seen or unseen, is interlinked and part of a greater whole. Shamans often report encountering beings that represent this interconnectedness and receiving messages about the importance of unity, balance, and harmony. And so kind of jumping back with you know what I was saying before about the whole you know CE5 and you know uh, UFO visitations and things like that this reminds me of the whole like we talked about it a little bit um, in our Integratron episode about this idea of like you know these peaceful space brothers that are you know giving us messages about unity and balance and harmony so I thought that was really interesting it seems like all this stuff is kind of connected with like meditation and well, and I think it even says like near death experiences. So, you know, still the idea of taking your brain somewhere else through these various methods, you encounter these same kind of entities. Again, different people just call them different things, it seems like. And I mean, so th this can kind of be looked at either way, talking about like the friendly space brothers giving us technology. You know, technology isn't necessarily always robotics. Technology back in the day used to be, you know, like a like a bronze tool. So talking about it, them giving us technology and then you also get into the of course like the the fallen angels nephilim idea that they gave the humans like technology, taught them how to use herbs, taught them how to do this, taught them how to do that. So when you when the shamans are asked how they figured out how to create this extended release DMT, they take the shrub and the root and these things are not necessarily even close to each other. And they figured out the perfect combination to go together in order to make it so that this thing would work properly. And when they're asked how they, how they learned this knowledge, they said that they learned it from 
uh, from the plants. They learned it from like their ancestors. Like they learned it from something that gave that to them. That wasn't just something that humans discovered. They say it was something given to them. So again, could it be extraterrestrials the way you view it, or it could be the fallen angels, depending on how you view it. And a lot of, for a lot of people, you know, they kind of believe that those could theoretically even be the same thing, just with yeah. different names from different perspectives. And I, you know, pretty much fall into that category at this point. Like I said, we're all talking about the same thing here, I think. so. The motif's there. It's just, again, yeah. depending on how you'd want to decipher it. <laughs> uh, but hopping back in, uh, another prevalent theme is the concept of spiritual healing. Shamans believe that DMT allows them to access deep levels of consciousness where they can identify and heal emotionally, psychologically, and even physical ailments. Participants in shamanic rituals often report experiencing profound emotional release, clarity, and a renewed sense of purpose and interconnectedness with all life. And so I'm just sorry to keep interrupting. I think you're going to say the same thing that I was just thinking. Go ahead. I'll let you say does it. This remind you of this, the paragraph you just read. What does that remind you of? Well, just to give an example, <laughs> Bledsoe. <laughs> well, I was going to say, and we did an episode on this. It sounds like the Edgar Casey stuff to me. That is you know, also where true. Would, where he would go into, you know, kind of this trance like state and he would, you know, um, assess people's health and give them remedies and cures for their ailments. And that's basically exactly what they're talking about here. So I thought that was wild when I was reading through your notes. See, I was thinking Bledsoe just because he had these friendly space brothers that helped him with ailments. So again, it's like the receiver versus the person getting the message and actually being able to put it into action. We're kind of looking at it from two different sides, but both themes kind of fit. Absolutely. And, you know, a bit of a spoiler, but um, Woodrow Derenberger, um, you know, when he was talking with Indrid Cold, he was supposedly suffering from like a stomach ailment and Indrid Cold gave him the remedy to the stomach ailment and he was like automatically cured. So there seems to be, uh, again, another connection with these type of entities and curing physical ailments. Dude, you, you see now why I was so excited to do this? Like, I'm shocked that I have not heard one other podcast cover this topic because of how much connects to this. Like, almost every line yeah. connects with yeah. something in our other research. <laughs> no, when I read through your notes, I knew this was going to be a good one. <laughs> Dude, I was super excited. I kept this one close to my chest because I didn't want anybody to hit this one before we did. <laughs> so, uh, hopping back in. Uh, while the use of DMT in shamanic practices has been revered by many cultures, it's important to acknowledge the controversies and challenges associated with its use. In some cases, the commercialization of Western appropriation of shamanic practices have led to the exploitation of indigenous communities and their sacred traditions. It's crucial to approach these practices with respect, understanding, and cultural sensitivity, which, just like I said a little bit earlier in the show, using this stuff as a tool and not as a, quote, drug, because I'm against the whole idea about using psychedelics as anything other than a tool for personal growth or to possibly make communication. Like, if you're just taking it to go party, like, I don't think that you're disrespecting the plant, you're disrespecting the culture that found this stuff. Like, it's just, that's not what any of these things are intended for. But uh, hopping back in, uh, additionally, the legality and ethical considerations surrounding DMT and other psychedelic substances are ongoing conversations in many countries. Despite the potential benefits, the use of DMT should be approached with caution and under appropriate guidance to ensure the safety and well-being of participants. And uh, also just to point that out, because I know a lot of our listeners are in America, the UK, and Australia, it is 
100% illegal, so do not use this in any of those countries. Uh, if you're going to use this and you insist on using it, I'm not advocating for it. I'm not telling anybody to go out and do it, but go to a country where it is legal to do, which would be in South America, and get it done properly by a shaman. But uh, the descriptions of entities encountered during DMT experiences often exceed the boundaries of our everyday reality. Individuals who have gone undergone these experiences often report encounters with beings that possess both human and non-human characteristics. Many users describe these entities as intricate, intelligent beings that exude a sense of benevolence and wisdom. However, their appearance and behaviors vary greatly across individual experiences. Some encounter insectoid-like creatures, while others describe encounters with machine-like intelligences or swirling patterns of light that seem to possess conscious awareness. Which, again, going into that idea about depending on which frequency you're on depends on which which door you're unlocking here. <laughs> well, and this hits a lot of, you know, kind of check marks on things we've talked about in the show. You know, I mean, insect-like creatures, people talk about the insectoid-type extraterrestrials. Uh, machine-like intelligences. We've had a couple different uh, shows where people talk about like a robot-type entity. There was Pascagoula. There was uh, Flatwoods. Even Hopskinville. I mean, they talked about yeah, those having yeah, a metallic clink yeah, when they got sure. shot. <laughs> and then the swirling patterns of light that seem to possess conscious awareness. That sounds like orbs to me, basically. So. Fairy lights, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that uh, paragraph right there, it, it checks a lot of boxes. However... Despite the vast diversity in the appearance of DMT entities, there are commonalities that can be found amongst these experiences. Many report a sense of profound and immediate familiarity with these beings, as if they have known them throughout eternity. Additionally, individuals often describe these entities as teachers, guides, or even caretakers of the psychedelic experience, which that line reminds me of near-death experiences, which seem like there could also be, or if, if it's proven that the brain does release DMT, I feel like during near-death experiences would be the time that a massive amount is released. So that, again, could be that connection with this, and that's why a lot of people believe that the brain naturally produces it, is because of the similarity between near-death experiences and with just people having an ayahuasca slash DMT trip. <laughs> So I have a story that somebody told me about a near-death experience that they had, and I don't think I've told it on the show before. Do you want me to save that for the end, or do you want me to jump into it right now? Just run it now. Might as well. Before we lose track of where we're at, I feel like it'll fit with where we are right now. Okay, so um, this has probably been a couple years ago at this point. Um, you know, I grew up on the beach in eastern North Carolina. I was down there visiting. Uh, there's like this restaurant bar where uh, my sister and her boyfriend work. So I was just hanging out at the bar and a couple people down the bar, there's this older gentleman and you know, you know how people at a bar are, there's always that one guy who just wants to talk to everybody around them. And so he was just, you know, talking and I was rolling my eyes a little bit. And then at some point he's like, I, I had a near death experience. And then at that point, okay, sir, you Ting. have my attention. So Wait, what'd you his, say? Yeah, so he tells this crazy story. And nothing against this guy. Super nice guy. He was obviously not a, um, a student of the paranormal or anything like that, we'll just say. Which always brings so, a little bit more into it. I'm always more interested in people that aren't necessarily into the paranormal and they started talking about these experiences. Exactly. And I, I can't remember what happened. I think he had like some sort of like workplace accident, if I remember correctly. But um, 
anyway, so he, he started the story with the typical, you know, tunnel of light, all that good stuff. And he said that these, and he described them as beings of light appeared to him. And, you know, the same like feelings of benevolence and as teachers and guides and all that good stuff. Like, that's exactly what this guy said. And he was like, I didn't want to come back. Like, he wanted to go with them into wherever. And he basically said that they told him, you know, his work wasn't done, whatever, and he had to go back. And this guy was like in tears telling me this story. And the thing that I thought was the craziest about it is he specifically said that these entities told him they came from the fourth dimension. Hmm. And again, this is not a guy that's like a student of the paranormal or like very just good old boy, you know, down home type guy. And, you know, the whole thing with like the fourth dimension being the dimension of time, like this guy's story was just wild. And so I, this had happened like several years prior to when he was telling me this story but he said uh like the tray he lived in a trailer he was like a house painter or something now and he said the trailer that he lived in now had like all sorts of poltergeist activity going on so you know we talk about the connection between poltergeist activity and you know ufo sightings bigfoot sightings and things like that and this weird connection that you, you know a lot of people on the surface wouldn't think would be there this guy had a near-death experience and was experiencing poltergeist activity. So um, that's a story I've wanted to tell on the show for a long time. Just the opportunity hadn't presented itself. And when I saw the notes, I was like, I'm going to tell the story in this episode. Well, I'm glad that <laughs> you brought that one up because I have another story that combines with that. So a previous guest that we've had on the show, he was on Inquiries and on Bizarre Encounters, George Lunsford. He talked about his near-death experience, and in his description of it, he said that when he was laying in the hospital bed, basically this like white the one wall just turned to a wall of light, and he said that all of these people that were like patients that had passed away at the hospital were walking into the light, and he said that there was a being there that had the shape I think of an he angel. Told this story when we interviewed him, I th I, yeah, I think I remember this one. Yep, he he saw a being that had the shape of an angel that was made of all white light mm -hmm. that had blue eyes. And he said it was just this familiar feeling like he knew it before yeah. and it didn't say anything to him. But then when he went to get up to, to go towards the light, he said there was another old lady who was there who he later figured out was actually the patient who passed away in the room before he had gotten there. She basically said, it's not your time yet, honey. She's like, it's my time. You stay here. And she walked into the light. Then after that, he said that the being like looked at him and then the door closed and it was gone. And then that's when he started coming back because he started hearing the beeping like everything was coming back again. And uh, so, again, just another connection that kind of fits along that same storyline. They didn't necessarily mm -hmm. say, he didn't say where the thing was from because they didn't talk to him. Uh, he didn't see the other side of it. He just said it was like a white wall that everybody's walking into. But again, could have been the fourth dimension, could have been the same exact place that that guy was talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I'm sorry to have derailed us with all that. I just thought it was a good segue into... No, it's it's great. It's that, it's so. I, we have a lot to talk about with this episode. There's a lot to unpack. Like this, I knew this one was going to be a really good one from the start, man. <laughs> well, I'll quit trying to interrupt you. So. No, it's great. That's what we want, man. The side tangents are always where we get into the most interesting stuff, man. <laughs> uh, one of the most significant pieces of work divulged into the DMT experience is DMT, the Spirit Molecule, by Dr. Rick Strussman, published in 2001. Dr. Strussman's book documents his groundbreaking research on the effects and experiences induced by DMT, where he administrated numerous doses of the compound to volunteers under controlled conditions. 
Uh, through his research, Dr. Strussman uncovered a fascinating connection between DMT and the encounters with seemingly sentinel and intelligent beings coined as DMT entities. According to the testimonies of individuals who participated in Dr. Strussman's studies, encounters with the DMT entities are described as encounters with intelligent beings or entities that appear during the DMT experience. These entities are often perceived as otherworldly with characteristics and qualities that defy explanation in ordinary reality. They are described as having the ability to communicate, express emotion, and even guide or teach the individual undergoing the experience. And uh, just to make another connection here, we talk about the whole thing that we may not be able to perceive uh, higher dimensional beings uh, as as we, we can't necessarily perceive them in our reality. Like we have to perceive them somewhere else. Like we can't fully see them properly. And this kind of reminds me of like the whole de depiction of like angels, for example, that when they come to our reality, they have the appearance that they choose to look like a person. But if you get into like the biblical definition of like what an angel looks like it's like all of these like spinning wheels with wings and eyes like it's undescribable in our reality because it exists in a higher dimension and the function doesn't make sense within our reality so even just connecting this with the angelic with the the depiction of like an angelic being it seems like it kind of fits still within the same same area yeah for sure <clears throat> the description of dmt entities varies amongst varies widely amongst participants with some encountering alien-like beings, interdimensional beings, like I was just saying, mythological figures, and even deceased loved ones. These experiences are reported to be vivid, intense, and profoundly real, uh, leaving participants with a sense of awe, wonder, and deep existential questioning. One of the remarkable aspects of DMT entities is their consistency across different individuals and cultures. Despite variations in cultural and personal backgrounds, Many participants report similar encounters, suggesting a deeper underlying reality to these experiences. This fascinating consistency has fueled theories suggesting that DMT may provide a gateway into parallel dimensions or hidden realities of consciousness, which is exactly what we are diving into and talking about. <laughs> it's yep. a key, man. It's a tool. Uh, some researchers propose that DMT entities are manifestations of the collective unconsciousness, archetypal figures that transcend individual experiences and tap into the shared depths of human consciousness. Others view these entities. Can I jump in just real quick? Let me do this last sentence and then I'll let you Sorry. let you have the bar. Sorry. Others view these entities as external beings existing independently in unseen dimensions, waiting to be discovered by those who embark on the DMT journey. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> no, so just before I forget, two things that popped into my head about, uh, you know, this collective unconsciousness. First off, you know, that sounds a lot like uh, Akashic Record type stuff that there's this thing we can tap into. And then the other thing, uh, let me see where I saw it. Uh, oh, this like archetypal figures. Um, that kind of sounds a little bit like the whole like um tibetan tulpas idea of you know we can manifest these thought beings into reality so just a couple random ass thoughts that popped into my head during that part of the notes so hopping back in uh the encounters with dmt entities often leave participants with profound insight transformative experiences and a sense of expanded awareness many report gaining access to knowledge and wisdom that transcends our ordinary consciousness, feeling a profound connection to a greater cosmic web of existence. So again, talking about the Akashic records. Yep, for sure. There have been two main public figures who have brought the DMT experience to the forefront of every everyone's minds. 
some context for those who might not be familiar with the key players in this extraordinary tale. Joe Rogan needs no introduction. He is a renowned comedian, podcast host, and martial artist and consciousness explorer. Uh, Terrence McKenna, on the other hand, was a quintessential psychedelic philosopher, ethnobotanist, and lecturer who dove into the realms of altered states of consciousness and mysticism. Whether individuals consider DMT entities as pure manifestations or of an altered mind or genuine encounters with parallel dimensions, one thing remains clear. Joe Rogan and Terrence McKenna's shared experiences demonstrate the potential for psychedelic substances to offer profound journeys into uncharted territories of consciousness. In Joe Rogan's podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, he recounts his first DMT experience, a mind-shattering encounter with beings that seem to exist in a dimension beyond our own. He describes these entities as wheel-like and That's mechanical so elves. Funny. <laughs> you like that one? Yeah. <laughs> Talking about the angel thing. I should have waited a little bit before I brought up the angels, but yes, right there. <laughs> uh, and communication with him t- and communicated with him telepathically, uh, revealing profound cosmic wisdom. During Terrence McKenna's extensive exploration with DMT in the Amazon rainforest, he had numerous encounters that he described as machine elves, gnomes, or hyperspace entities, or simply the others. These encounters became a reoccurring theme throughout his various lectures and writings. I assume that you looked like you had something to say. I was trying to leave you a spot there. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I just, uh, el- mechanical elves and gnomes. I mean, that hits a lot of. Going into the fate realm. About. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think different people elevate at different frequencies and they experience stuff that's in other realms. So there's still similarities between them, but there's also different, different differentiations, which I think are, again, you access different vibrations and frequencies depending on where you're sitting. And when you have a shamanic experience, they help you to elevate to the higher ones. So you're not dealing with the lower vibrational beings. And even back to, you know, we we're talking about Edgar Casey a little bit earlier. He claimed as a child to commune and visit and see what he called little folk. And as we know from our Edgar Casey and our Hopkinsville Goblins episode, he grew up right outside of Hopkinsville, Kentucky. The goblins are, you know, very machine-like. So again, a lot of boxes being checked here. Dude, this thing literally touches just about every facet of our research and stuff we cover on the show, at least a little bit. It touches every single box. <laughs> yeah, like... I mean, half the episodes we've done, there's some kind of connection to this. (laughs) Say, if you guys want to be caught up on this, you'll have to listen to every single episode we've done at this point. (laughs) Uh, One experience that specifically stood out in McKenna's encounters occurred during his first ever DMT trip. He proclaimed that upon inhaling the DMT vapor, his surroundings morphed into a bizarre circus-like environment in which he encountered these entities. According to McKenna, these entities appeared as elf-like figures made of strange materials, uh, communicated with him through a form of nonverbal telepathy. And uh, I don't know if I actually wrote this in the notes, but he said that they would basically create reality with their speech, that they would talk and it would create things and create objects and create like weird functioning machines. So like these things were creating things with their speech, which is super weird to think about the whole idea of creating things with vibrations, especially considering that if you play a vibration on like a table covered in sand, it starts creating patterns, which again, vibration could be a building block way more so than we have ever figured out and realized. And I think in the future, it's going to play a key role in uh, constructing reality through vibrations, pitch and frequencies. Well, the whole vibration thing, um, I, I, the actual name is escaping me, but like the, the stone garden thing down in like Miami and you know, the guy said, Coral castle. 
Yes, yes, yep. exactly. I knew you know what I was talking about. Like, and the guy said he used vibration and frequency to move these massive boulders. So, and neighborhood yeah. kids even also said that at night they would hear him working and they would hear like vibration pitches, frequencies, and like humming and different stuff coming yeah, from his yard yeah. too. So even there's outside sources that were claiming they're hearing the same thing. Exactly. Uh, McKenna believed that these entities resided within a parallel dimension, often referred to as the DMT realm or hyperspace. He hypothesized that DMT acted as a gateway or portal to these dimensions, enabling individuals to explore and interact with these otherworldly beings. So the way he would describe it is basically like, uh, just to kind of describe like the DMT experience, uh, there's the waiting room, which is like when you first start coming into it, it's almost like you're sitting within like this room of like just weird colors, vibrations. And then you go into hyperspace after that, which is like when you blast through that. And then when you blast through that, you come out on the other side and that's where you're in like the DMT realm. So even the description of sitting in the waiting room and then going through these like hyperspace tunnels also weirdly enough fits in with the whole concept you talked about with like portal portals and wormholes and kind of near death experience stuff too. Exactly. So again, just another box checked off there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, furthermore, McKenna theorized that these entities were not merely figments of his imagination, but rather intelligent beings that existed independently of human consciousness. Uh, he likened the DMT experience to shamanic journeys or spirit quests, where the individual gains access to realms uninhabited by these entities and can receive wisdom, insight, and even guidance from them. Uh, some skeptics argue that these encounters with DMT entities are merely hallucinations induced by the psychedelic experience. However, McKenna and many others have ventured into the realm, often reported remarkable similar experiences, suggesting that there are many that there may be more to these entities than meets the eye. Uh, now let's explore some of the theories Terence McKenna developed around these DMT entities. According to McKenna, these entities may hold the key to unlocking the mysteries of our universe and even to understanding our own consciousness. He theorizes that these beings exist outside of our limited human perception of time and space and provide us with a glimpse into the nature of reality itself. So maybe they're from the fourth dimension. Exactly. Or they're actually creating our reality. That's one thing that I've kind of theorized, that if they're creating stuff through speech and vibration, like you talk about the whole thing where like the dimension above affects and creates the dimension below. These could literally be the things that are creating and doing the building blocks of our reality, and they're like the base work of it without us even realizing it. Kind of like how we would create the 2D dimension by doing our drawings on a piece of paper, the same way that these things would interact and create our reality. And everybody talks about like the simulation theory stuff. What if this is what's going on? So these yeah. things are actually like the things that are controlling the matrix slash yeah, reality. So it's not like a simulation or a matrix type situation so much as it is just a controlled created reality maybe. And it's just a continuous process that again, like the reality above creates the reality below. And it's just like you have this constant wormhole going down. And then at that point, it makes you wonder if we're in a created reality to begin with at its base root. Like there may be a surface reality that is like the reality. And then everything else is just like a, inception coming back down into reality yeah like everything starts from the highest and it goes down and the the they just keep creating the one below it and the chain just keeps going down uh in mckenna's view these entities are not only present within the dmt realm but may also be found in other altered states of consciousness such as deep meditation or out-of-body experiences he saw them as part of a greater cosmic network representing a form of higher intelligence and even extra-dimensional beings uh, McKenna believed that our encounters with these entities could potentially bridge the gap between the unknown 
between the known and the unknown and help us unlock some of the deepest mysteries of our reality. By engaging with these entities, he proposed that we can gain insight into our own existence, the nature of our reality, and perhaps even receive guidance for our collective future. I think I repeated a paragraph there, but we'll continue on all the same. <laughs> As we delve into the realm of DMT entities, it is crucial to explore the various theories that attempt to explain these encounters. While these remain an area of great mystery, three main theories have emerged to shed light on this intriguing phenomenon. Uh, one theory suggests that DMT encounters are manifestations of our own subconscious mind, representing different aspects of our psyche. According to this perspective, the entities mirror our fears, desires, and unresolved emotions, serving as catalysts for personal growth and self-reflection. That also kind of sounds like the phenomenon wearing different masks to me. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking too. You got you and I are on the same wavelength on this one. <laughs> Another theory proposed that DMT entities are glimpses into altered dimensions or parallel realities. The hyperspatial experiences indicated by DMT may allow individuals to temporarily transcend our ordinary reality, interact with beings from other realms, or again, places that are things that are existing within the same space as us, but are just, again, at a higher vibrational point than where we are. Not necessarily a parallel reality, but more so like layered stacked reality. Uh, additionally, some researchers propose that DMT unlocks the inherited potential of the mind to access information beyond our extraordinary senses. In this view, DMT entities could be external entities or intelligences that exist independently, sharing knowledge and insight with those who dare to explore altered states of consciousness. Uh, from a more biblical perspective, UK-based researcher Paul Stobbs, who has been on Inquiries of Our Reality, if anybody wants to go check out the, that whole conversation, it definitely links into all of this, uh, has made the, made the suggestion that DMT entities in the DMT realm may not be as it seems. As part of his Nephilim clown theory, he suggests that the beings in the psychedelic realm might actually be demons or Nephilim masking themselves behind mm -hmm. a colorful facade that we that what we know of these dark beings is actually a misdirection, pushing people away from the dark and into the light when they actually exist in the realm of full spectral colors and geometric patterns. Because again, going into the know. fallen angels thing and Whoa. Lucifer, uh, you know, he was God's most beautiful angel. Like there weren't these demonic, crazy, deep, evil creatures. Like the fallen angels were angels. Like they were beautiful creatures. Like it's a misdirection that they want you to look into the dark for demons and all these weird creatures when realistically they're existing in the light because they are light beings that had fallen. <laughs> and I think you know where I'm going to go with this. So in our Parsons series, we talk about this idea of the Collins elite. And, you know, I've mentioned it on several other episodes at this point. You know, this secret clandestine group within the government that believes, believed, however you want to word it, that extraterrestrials were literal fucking biblical hell demons. That's basically what this is saying, you know, and that these entities are intent on deceiving. So yeah, this again, more boxes being checked, more I'll, connections. I'll have to get Paul to come on this show for anybody that hasn't heard his Nephilim clown theory. It is absolutely fascinating. He goes right back to the beginning of clowns, connects it with Freemasonry. And there's just, there's a whole, he has done so much research as far as this Nephilim clown concept that basically Clowns are supposed to be like humans mimicking Nephilim down to, he said like the white faces because they would have like pale complected skin that was 
I'll have to get into like his full description of it. Again, I'll have to have him come on the show. And he was saying that there was another connection too, where they were described as having big red noses because of having some type of like issue with their genetics. Uh, you have the big red lips and the giant teeth to make them look like they were uh, like bigger creatures that were eating blood. They're eating human beings. Uh, he said they're usually portrayed with the big shoes, with the funny big pants, because it's supposed to be showing like how big these beings actually are. And then the small cars, the small items that clowns use is supposed to represent them in scale according to actual items within our reality. So the whole Nephilim uh, clowns theory like links in with basically the whole giant fallen angels concept. And he, he puts it down to a T. Like I cannot describe how perfectly he does this stuff. Uh, you got again, you guys can go and check out That's the episode wild. he did on inquiries, but I got to get him to come on here. Cause I want to have you listen to his full uh, DMT yeah, clown, theory, no, Nephilim clown theory. clown theory. Check that one out. And uh, jumping back in, uh, for individuals who have experienced encounters with DMT entities, processing and integrating these profound experiences into daily life can be a challenging task. Some describe these entities as deeply meaningful and transformative, while others find themselves grappling with the perplexing nature of reality and consciousness. Uh, such again, you talk about the whole concept of higher dimensions, people not necessarily being able to perceive it and going mad because they their brain just can't take in that information. So it seems like when people have these psychedelic experiences, you experience things that you can't describe when you come back. And maybe that's because when you're in that realm, your brain can somewhat understand what you're seeing, or maybe again, it's too much to so your brain dumps that load. And that's why it's like almost like a dream hey, that it's like a fading dump glimpse. That load. Dump that load. <laughs> I don't have a, I don't think it would fit with that's what she said. Otherwise I would hit that button. <laughs> Uh, psychedelic integration therapists and researchers emphasize the importance of adopting a non-dogmatic and open-minded approach uh, when interpreting these encounters. Rather than seeking absolute truths or attempting to prove the reality of entities, they encourage individuals to focus on the personal insights and growth opportunities that can be derived from these experiences. Moreover, building a supportive community of like-minded individuals who have also undergone similar experiences can provide invaluable guidance and understanding. As we come to an end of our exploration into the realm of DNT entities, we're left with more questions than answers. Enigmatic nature of these experiences continues to captivate the minds of researchers, spiritual seekers, and adventurers alike. Whether DMT entities represent a meeting point between science and spirituality, or exist solely within the realms of the human mind, they offer a unique glimpse into the mysteries of consciousness and the untapped potential of our own minds. Whether they arise from Within our subconscious or open a doorway to altered dimensions, DMT entities continue to fascinate and challenge our understanding of consciousness. And that is what I have for you guys today as far as DMT entities go. But I feel like with more research, I could probably come back at some point and readdress a lot of this stuff and connect it actually with a lot of other stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, this was a good one. The connections speak for themselves. I mean, I'm not going to elaborate a whole lot here at the end. I feel like I interrupted you enough during the show and interjected my incredible thoughts but um yeah this was a good one um when you mentioned wanting to do this one i was oh that'll be a fun episode and then when i saw the notes i was like, i cannot believe how many things this is hitting on so i want to keep this, this one as a one. surprise from you too because i was like dude I, I i found this topic i was just like dude this this is this one is perfect and this again while i was keeping it so close to my chest is because you know everybody just reading dmt entities you thought it was going to be something totally different i don't feel like anybody has really covered dmt entities from the perspective that we just did and if they are let me know because i'd love to hear some of those other podcasts talking about this stuff and get some of their ideas and theories on this stuff <laughs> and uh just just for a sake at the end obviously nobody knows for sure 
But what is your view? What do you, what do you think is the best theory as far as what these things go? Um, so I think I've mentioned this on the show before. I am of the persuasion at this point that there are more than one thing going on. I think there, like I said, there are flesh and blood, nuts and bolts, extraterrestrials that have visited us in the past and throughout history. I think that's pretty rare, though. I think a lot of the paranormal experiences that people have is with this other and I think this is what the Fae is. I think this is what a lot of like poltergeist and ghost type activity is. Um, and I think that, for lack of a better term, these are like ultra terrestrial, interdimensional type things that live just on the other side of the curtain from us. And I think, you know, if there's a pinprick in the curtain, these things can come through. And I think that DMT, like you said, might be a key to the doorway to go to these places in our minds where this other thing resides. Just another weird thing to kind of throw at on this one too. We talk about how these other realities don't seem to be unlockable through physical means. So you hear about portals, doorways, stargates throughout time. Maybe those portals, starways, like they aren't necessarily always a physical thing that's right in front of you you can walk through, but rather that again, the, the doorway the, the portal, the wormhole, the stargate is actually an item that you ingest and in turn are able to walk through. <laughs> hey, and that gets back to what do we always say? Issues of language. What could people actually mean and actually be saying in real world terms? It's a spiritual portal rather than a mm-hmm. physical portal. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. And just because I haven't dropped it yet in the show and this is the perfect opportunity. Here's an idea. Aliens. <laughs> I don't think there's been a more perfect time to use that note. There you go. And uh, with that note, if you guys enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. Greatly appreciate it. If you guys leave five stars, we'll read on the show, give you guys a big shout out, uh, boost us up in the algorithm, makes it so more people are able to see the show. We can continue to grow, keep collecting experiences, be able to bring more awesome content to you guys. But again, the only way we'll be able to do that is with your guys' help. And if you think somebody in particular might really enjoy this episode or just the show as a whole, don't forget to share it with them. Share it with friends, family, people at work. You know, maybe you can even share it with people at work and it'll open up a whole new doorway of conversation and you and everybody else at your work can talk about the weirdish side, bizarre side of reality. And beyond that too, you guys can always leave the show an auto download and make it so that we get a listen every single episode, even if you don't listen to it. With all of that, the show will continue to keep growing in 2024. And uh, we can't thank you guys enough. We appreciate you guys for uh, being around, listening to the show, and enjoying the show. And you guys know how the internet works. Do all of the social media, internet stuff. And remember, any question you want us to talk about on Bizarre Inquiries, shoot it our way. Even if it's stupid, we'll probably talk about it still. And, hey, that might end up being a good episode. So Hey, the whole point of that show is to let your mind wander, man. That's how it works. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And uh, every single thing that we've mentioned is all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, I have been the one that they call Shane. And I've been Ayahuasca Orin. I'm going to have to go with Shamanic Shane. I'm I'm, I'm just going to throw it back. Shamanic Shane (laughs) for this episode. (laughs) And guys, this has obviously been a very, very, very bizarre topic. So guys, just just remember for your guys selves to always remember that you guys got to, got to, In this life, always remain and stay bizarre. 
Bizarre. Bizarre. Drop that load. <laughs> <laughs>